Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. Very happy to welcome Jonathan Green here. Now, we're going to talk AI today. But before we get into that, Jonathan, tell us a little bit more about you. Sure, I've been full-time online marketer since 2010 when I got fired for what I thought was my dream job. And I kind of realized that your boss has so much power over you because it sometimes can be really hard to find another job that pays the same amount of money, uses the same skills. And it's just like, I know people that have been stuck out of work for three months, six months, a year, because they just can't get back to work. You're overqualified for this job. You're underqualified for that job. So I just want to take control of my destiny. You're always going to have someone you don't like that you work with. And sometimes it's your boss. Sometimes you can have an okay boss, but the system has rules and structures in play. And you can never really get paid what you're worth because if they paid you what you're worth, the company wouldn't make any money, right? They'd be like flat break even and no company wants to do that because they got to pay the shareholders. So it's really amazing to me when you think about going to your boss and if you ask for a raise, you're going to ask, like, can I have 3%? Can I have 5%? When you work for yourself, you can just go, oh, I doubled my prices. You could never do that when you work for someone else. You could never say to your boss, I need a raise. What do you want? Double it. (laughs) They're just going to fire you. (laughs) Exactly. So what exactly do you do? Sure. These days, I help people to use AI in their companies to kind of find the efficiencies. There's so many tools and softwares out there that can be really overwhelming. So I help entrepreneurs and small business owners to figure out which tools that are right for their business, which tools are not right. Really help them control their costs more than anything else. Because AI should really lower your costs, whether it's team costs, employee costs, or software costs. And then use that to streamline your business to kind of get things done faster and more efficient. As far as AI goes, and I'm pretty oblivious to most of it. I mean, I kind of got an idea of how it works. Uh, And probably amongst the uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, is this going to take over the world and we're going to have Terminator happen? It's a fair question. Everything that's called AI is not actually an AI. There's really two types of real AI, which is strong and weak AI. Strong AI is the one you're thinking of from Terminator, right? Because it's self-sentient, it's self-aware, it's self-learning. So it can teach itself, it can grow smarter, self-program. Weak AI is kind of like a really smart GPS, right? It can figure out things, it can do big equations, and it kind of can make its own decisions, but it can't, it's not self-replicating, it's not learning, right? It's limited. ChatGPT is really very similar. The way it operates is like a magic eight ball. So it guesses one word at a time what the most likely next word of the sentence is. So it says the next word, dog, next word after dog. It's probably going to be is next word is a. So it's operating like that where it's guessing one word at a time. It does appear to be a little bit magical, but what it's really doing is just organizing all of the data on the internet into a database and then organizes it by frequency. So what's the most common words? A, the, and, and those appear the most often. So it's really creating responses based on data set. It's not learning. It's not growing. It doesn't have that ability. It's very far away from weak AI, let alone strong AI. So there's not even a spark of sentience. There's not a spark of self-directed thought. And if you don't pay attention. It goes insane very quickly within 10 or 15 questions. So it doesn't really have the ability to maintain a consistent thought. Mm-hmm. So all of things we worry about now, not to say those won't come in the future, but they're not here right now. 
Well, I'm amongst those, and I, I hate to sound like you know negative nilly here, but like I uh, got online for a business. I'm not going to say which one, but I had questions, and of course they have the chat GP, whatever you call it. I get on and I ask a question, and all I get is uh can you rephrase that i don't understand and finally uh, it ended up sending me to a real person but i'm amongst those that worry is this going to take the place of human beings so i think the worst implementation of ai is in customer service i was just talking to my coaching clients about this last week and i said listen i think it could be great in a pre-sales environment where it can scan a sales page, scan your blog and answer basic questions like that. But when you have a customer who is frustrated, the last thing you want to do is put something customer facing that's less than stellar. Would you hire a really bad customer service rep? You wouldn't want to, right? Because they're going to cause more refunds and more chargebacks. So I agree with you there that I've never had a positive experience with an AI chatbot. And I don't know anyone who has in customer service. So anytime you're asking like a specific question, they're always a waste of time. I feel like companies mostly implement them in the hopes that you'll get frustrated and stop asking for questions and stop asking for the refund. I feel like that's the only use is to frustrate the customer to the point where they hang up and give up on fighting for their money. So other than that, I do think that's a terrible implementation. And I agree, it's always a bad experience because I've never had a positive experience with a customer service AI chatbot. And I've experience like 20 of them from different companies. So I'm with you 100%. So I'm going to let you give your spiel. I want to use your expertise or your service. Sure. Most people, it starts by reading my book, ChatGPT Profits, which really gives you basically a breakdown of all the different things, like an instruction manual for ChatGPT, because what they've done, it's really interesting. You can tell ChatGPT was designed by a bunch of nerds because It has the worst onboarding process of any tool, software, anything I've seen in my entire life. They basically said no instruction manual, no onboarding, no welcome video, no welcome email, just a blank white page. Figure it out yourself, right? It's everyone's nightmare to be locked in a a blank room where they're like, there's a door in this room. You have to find it, right? It's like you're on an airplane. There's all the switches, but all the switches are unmarked. So it's so powerful, that they think you should ask ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, what should I do with you? Which is always going to get you a bad response. So it's very normal for people to feel overwhelmed or disappointed because there's no information. So you have to guess and guessing is not very fun. So it's really designed to tell you the things it's very helpful for, the things that it's not helpful for. It's good for some things. It's bad for research. Here's why it lies to some people and how you can avoid having it lie to you and give you false information. That's what I cover in the book. Beyond that, I then teach people really which tools to buy, which tools not to buy, which tools are a waste of money, which tools are not AI, they're pretending. There's a lot of tools out there that say they're AIs or companies are going public saying they're AI companies and getting huge valuations. They don't have any AI tech. They're faking it. So I really help people protect them from that. That's one of the most important things that I do because there's so many softwares coming out every day. It's impossible for everyone to keep up. That's my job. For everyone else. And then really, I look at what I basically say, tell me what software tools you're using. What's your process in your company? Of all the people that work for you, when you're writing everyone's paycheck at the end of the week, which one annoys you the most? And let's see if we can replace that person with AI or we can kind of improve their efficiency. 
So AI is really good at content creation. It's really good at ideation. It's really good at graphics. It's really good at research. Those are the areas where it's really, really strong right now. So that's the best place to start with. That's usually what I look at. And then when I'm look, you know, with a new customer, a new person, first thing I recommend is a front-facing chatbot, which is different than what you've experienced. So for example, you would just feed it your entire blog. So people asking questions, you just, and they're asking, because I get this all the time. Someone email me today is like, oh, I wish there was the categories button on the side of your blog so I could find the post I want. It would be to fill in that role, right? Informational, really basic questions, not the I'm already annoyed role, right? Very different things. So it's about, um, because I was testing this chatbot and it said, oh, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't understand your question. And then it linked to the right blog post. I was like, I'll take that. To me, that's a win, right? The one time it was, oh, I don't know if this is the right answer. And then it pointed to the right answer. I was like, that's so much better than a chatbot that's like, oh, we don't do refunds. Sorry, we don't do refunds. Sorry, we don't do refund. right? You know, it's so annoying. So those are some of the low-hanging fruit areas. Other places it can help you with is anything you do that's really repetitive. For example, whenever I'm writing up uh, a bunch of different products with different prices, I'll copy and paste it and say, just how, what's the total? Because normally I have to manually enter into the calculator and you always mess something up, right? And it's so annoying. Or if I have a list and all of the lists has numbers in front of each one, like one through a hundred, I'll just be like, hey, give me this list back, but remove the numbers. It sounds like a silly thing to do, but it saves you time. So those are things that we do that are either repetitive or they're silly time wasters. Or I have a list of names. Can you separate the first and last names into two columns? That comes up with me at least once a week. I have to deal with that because they always have to, to send people messages and only use the first names in one column, stuff like that. So those are areas where it's really good and it's really useful. It's very good helping you to answer emails, to put think of ideas to post on social media, all of those things, which are sometimes it's just hard to come up with constant ideas. I'm going to come up with five tweets a day and a LinkedIn post every day and a Facebook. All that stuff just adds up. So those are the areas where it helps me the most. A lot I do most of my copywriting, most of my blog post writing, all my editing. So there's so many things it can do. But the most important thing is that each person has kind of different usefulnesses. Like if someone does a lot of cold outreach emails, it can help with that. If you don't do any cold outreach emails, why would you want to learn that skill with it? So the best way to think of it is an accelerator. So things you do that are repetitive, it can help you do them a little bit faster. And things you can do that you're okay at, but not great at, it can make you a little bit better and kind of equalize you with other people. Now, is there a go-to tool or is it going to depend? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. There's really only about 10 AI tools that are worth anything. So most of the ones out there are just not worth it. So Everyone out there has an AI writing software. Every day, all these companies launch, hey, we're the newest AI writer. All of them are just using ChatGPT's API. So they're just ChatGPT with a different color face and a higher price point and less features. Why would you ever pay for that? That's what they're all doing. So for paid tools, you really need two. And you can get away with one. ChatGPT, it's 20 bucks a month. 
that does everything. Almost every AI tool is powered by that. They've now added an image generator that's quite good. Um, I've really spent a lot of time learning MidJourney, which is a different image generator. That's $12 a month. So I spend $32 a month on AI for all my main tools. And that's 90% of my heavy workload. Now, another tool that you want to add to your arsenal is called Perplexity. Because the one thing ChatGPT stinks at is current events. Its cutoff date is September 2021. Perplexity comes all the way up to right now. It's very good and always gives you the sources. ChatGPT will never give you its sources because it's always all 404s. It gives you fake links, mm-hmm. which I caught it doing in February. So I know it's not good for research, whereas Perplexity is the other end of the spectrum. It will. It's really a research AI. And that one, they do. it's also $20 a month, but the free version just is so good. I've never felt the need to upgrade. I think about it all the time. Is there any reason I would upgrade? I'm like, it's getting such a good experience in the free version. I use both of those all the time. So that's really my main three is ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Perplexity. And that's really a good baseline. Beyond that, most of the other tools I use are for testing and for seeing how they work. Like I use a tool for Twitter and a tool for LinkedIn that mostly I start off testing them for uh, product reviews. And I've been using them for a couple of weeks. But I think for 99% of people, they're just not the right fit. So that's what I, where I start with. And the same thing, not every company needs a chatbot, right? Not every company needs a lot of complexity stuff, but those are the main workhorses. And then from there, what you really need is just 10 or 20 copy and paste prompts that you can use over and over again. I don't write new prompts every day, right? Once you have a good prompt for writing email, you're just going to use it over and over again. Once you have a good prompt for writing uh, Pinterest pins, I'm going to use it over and over again. That's really the most important thing. There's this thought of, oh, I need to learn all these different things. It's like, no, you just need to know the commands. And once you get those from me or from someone else who's a good prompt engineer, you're pretty much good to go. You don't need hundreds or thousands of prompts. Maybe you need 50 if you kind of have, you're like a secretary and you're kind of a generalist and you do transcription and note-taking and answering phone calls, then you might need 50 prompts, but I probably use 10 prompts a day for my different tasks. Well, for me, you know, all I'd really do is the podcast, but I am on several different platforms. And I know like Buzzsprout offers an AI co-host that'll do a lot of stuff for you, but I don't want to pay that extra. I'm already paying for their service. Does this link up to all of that and do the work for you yeah let me give you some specific let me give you some specific use cases for a podcaster Mm -hmm. a great thing you can do is have an ai read my book and say hey read this book and come up with 20 questions that you think i should ask on my podcast then you look at the 20 and you pick the three or four that are good and ignore the 17 that are not good or boring so that's one of the hardest things about having people on your show is right oh i'm gonna listen to all their past interviews. I'm going to have to read their book, like come up with a lot of questions. It's a huge amount of research. Television shows like those late night shows, they have 20 or 30 people that research each guest. That's a huge amount of work. It goes into a three minute interview. So of course, that's one of the first places to leverage in the research. Very useful there. The second place that's really good is that it can write the show notes. Basically, you say, ChatGPT, here's the show notes from last week's episode. These were amazing. Here's this week's episode. Make show notes from this recording that are in the same style and it will give you the exact same formatting and they will be good. I stopped using a person. Another place is transcription software is always close, right? But it's not always perfect. You can then give it the file and say, hey, just perfect this transcript. And it will take it from like 95% accurate to like 98 or 99%, which means instead of one out of 20 words is wrong, one of 100, which is a huge difference. 
Because one out of 20 means almost every sentence has a mistake. And that's what most transcription software is kind of aiming for. So those are the first areas for a podcast. And then, of course, I do use um, another tool that I use is called Video. There's a bunch of these out there right now. For some reason, I think the text become ubiquitous really quickly, which is it takes a long form video and chooses short clips for you. There's about 20 tools that do it. Every tool keeps adding this feature. So I guess it's not hard to do suddenly because everyone has it. Um, went from one tool six months ago to now like 30. What that does is it will give you like 20 clips that it thinks will go viral and you watch them. And it always comes up with like 10 terrible ones, five bad ones and five good ones. So you're never going to get, but instead of rewatching an hour interview or 20 or 30 minute interview, you just spend five minutes watching clips and you can pick the ones that are really good to post on your social platforms. And then what I would do is feed those clips into uh, back to chat GPT and say, chat GPT, give me the descriptions and the hashtags to put below this clip. So I would always go back to my core tool. That's kind of a specialized tool, right? For your particular case, creating the short form clips, that's an area where it can help you with a podcast. And the tool I use is video, but there's a bunch that do that. And you just test each one to see which one gives you clips that you like. So it helps with the hashtags and the tag words? Yeah, some of them do and some of them don't. Some of them will give you the hashtags and the post that goes with it. If it doesn't, I just have ChatGPT give me that. Because that's where I need the help. You know, as far as yeah, me too. Like the questions and all that, I'm, I'm, I've got that down. But right. when it comes to, you know, writing up the description and getting all those good tag words and and hashtags, yeah. I fall short. I won't lie. Yeah, that's what it's great at. I have it. So I have it do all of those things for me. It writes my show descriptions now. It writes my show notes. It'll write the descriptions below the long YouTube video, write the descriptions below the short clips, all of those things, which are very repetitive. And it's hard to come up with a different description for every single show clip, right? That becomes the hardest part of the process. When I write a book, the most annoying part is writing the description for the book when I list it. That to me is more of an effort than the whole book process itself. Because it's just a different part of your brain. And when you have to do that for clip after clip or social post after social post. So I don't really keep up with hashtags. I'm not really switched on to that. So I'd rather have a tool just tell me, oh, these are the right hashtags for what you're writing about. And that's really what you want is the hashtag that's relevant without how would you know it unless you're really, really looking at hashtags. So those are areas where it can be really helpful. And again, if for everyone, it's different, right? Everyone will look at it and go, I don't need this. I need that. I don't need this. I don't need that. But that's the best place to do it. The most important thing is to figure out which areas you don't want it in. And then you just use it in the areas where you want it. It's like some people make their whole house into a smart home and they, the refrigerator is connected to the internet and tells you how many eggs are in it. And then the toilet's connected to the internet and the, my scale wanted to be connected to the internet. I'm like, I'm not doing that. This is private information, right? I don't need to upload. The, I don't need the cloud keeping track of my weight, right? But some people go overboard and the whole house is connected and then the power goes out and then they have nothing, right? They're right. like in a desolate situation. So in the same way, it doesn't have to replace everything. It's just in areas where it's useful for your particular use case and for your business model. That's the best way to approach it is not, oh, I need to learn everything about it. It's not. You look at, oh, here's some areas where it can help me. I'll start with this and start small. If you're using the free version of ChatGPT, then it's not pulling current data. It's limited to through September 2021 right now. Mm -hmm. What it's doing is looking to see if it knows who that person is. So I'm like the seventh most famous Jonathan Green. There's a painter, A Fault in Our Stars was written by a Jonathan Green. 
There's a Jonathan Green who writes science fiction. There's a bunch of them. And I was working on a project, but it knows who I am. It's read my book. It's read my main book, Served a Master from 2016. I was like, oh, because I asked it. I was like, oh my gosh, you know me. So then I can use that data to be specific to myself. But if it doesn't know who a person is, or if a person became famous after those dates, then you're not going to get good data points. But for research, definitely you want to use perplexity. That's a free one that's great for research. It has up-to-the-date information through right now. It's pulling information from today, from yesterday. It pulls those information. Now, if you're willing to pay $20 a month with ChatGPT, you get access to plugins. It has a really cool plugin called VoxScript that gives it access to YouTube. Mm-hmm. With that, it will watch YouTube videos, read the notes, read the transcript, read the comments, and start to pull in really interesting information. So I've seen it do amazing research there that's been very interesting in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So part of it is if it has access to the data, like what it can't do, which is very annoying to me, is it can't see Twitter because now you can't see anything on Twitter unless you're logged in. So that's like very silly to me. They put all of Twitter behind a password and things like that. Anything we have to log in to look at stuff, they're like hiding the information. I get it, but... I wanted to like look at my own tweets today and I couldn't even see my own tweets. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to download them and then feed them to the AI. It's very annoying. So that's part of it. So what if, and also part of it is asking a question in the right way. So here's the secret. You just say, hey, I want to write really good questions for this guest. What information do you need from me? Mm-hmm. If you give it permission to tell you what it needs, then you're going to get a much, much better response because otherwise it will never tell you it doesn't have the information. It will never admit it doesn't know. Because it's trained like a child. Like if you have a kid who's three or four, my kids are young. They will never admit, like my son will never admit he took his sister's truck. He'll be like, oh, the truck might be in the other room. And it's exactly where he said. He's like, but I didn't put it there. I just know where it is. I'm like, you're the only one who knows where it is, right? <laughs> but right. trickiness. And that's where people get a little bit caught up. That's one of the things I cover a lot in my book because it's a little bit tricky to understand the way it's designed. But if you start with a question, this is what I want. What information do you need? You're going to get really good responses. And that's the main thing um, that you should start from. Like that's the best starting point. The learning curve is not as high as it seems. If you sit down and just watch YouTube videos or with my book and just say, I'm going to spend one day learning this. Mm -hmm. At the end of eight hours, you're going to be a top 10% user in the world. You're going to be excellent most people get into it's not hard it's intimidating because it's a blank page and it's hard to know what to do but if you have a good source of prompts to just test so the reason i wrote my book is i, I read a lot of other chat gpt books and they always have the prompt which you say to the chat gpt but never the answer and i'm like well, what how would i know if i do it right if i can't see what the response is supposed to look like so that's my book is answers and responses and all the different categories So you can copy and paste my answer, throw it right in there and see what happens. And that's a starting point. That's really going to get you 90% of the way placed to where you need. And then once you've played around for a day, you go, oh, here's where I want to get better. And then you know which videos to watch or which courses to buy or which book to read next because you have a foundation. But it's not weeks. It's not months. It's one day of just going, I'm going to give this eight hours. Now, for people that are more technical, it might be two hours. But eight hours is kind of a worst case scenario for someone who's got basic, the most basic of computer skills. If I had a tool that could help me, then, I mean, I wouldn't be on social media, but it would do it for me. Huh? 
Yeah, my as a creator, like the main thing we use social media for is posting content. There's two types of people. There's creators and consumers. There's people that spend like six hours a day just reading Facebook posts, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not me. Um, I don't really like to. I find it hard to find things that are interesting on social media. I find it very easy to find things that are frustrating, right? So it's like, I don't really engage with content, but I have to create content for my audience. So that's what I do. And then you post it. So you have to log in to schedule it. That's the only thing I really do with social media. And I'm not very good at it. I'm not very active. I'm really an email marketer, but it's, you know, it's the way people want to see your content. People want to read your book in seven second chunks on TikTok. Okay. Then I kind of give it to them in the ways that they want, but that's really what it's for. So it's very much made a difference in my social media. All my social media channels have started to grow again because I don't really like doing it. I just mm-hmm. don't, right? I'm not really interested in social media. If it wasn't my job, I would never be online. Like I'm not into the internet at all. It just mm-hmm. happens to be my job. And that I guess that's the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever your work is, it's like not what you do in your playtime. So for me, it's a tool and I'm only interested in tools and connect with my audience and things that I can be efficient. Anytime I enter a new area, I go, well, how can I be scalable? How can I write 500 tweets in one day, right? How can I get this month's tweets all done in one day? How can I get all my LinkedIn posts done in one day? So those areas where it does shine, it's a little bit more advanced, but that's something you probably master by day two at most. And it's really about, okay, because I need a research process, an idea process, writing the post process, adding the hot adding the hashtags, not hot dogs, adding the hashtags. And once you get that down and then scheduling, once you kind of have that process down, it gets very quickly. Like I think I scheduled like 20 or 30 tweets in the 20 minutes before this call. I was doing that and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't scheduled my LinkedIn posts for the week. I post two times a day on LinkedIn and I scheduled like seven or eight LinkedIn posts. So I'm very fast and it just takes time to get there. Do you have a website? Yeah, my website Serve No Master. There's tons of information. You have access to my courses, links to my books, links to my training, tons of free gifts and guides to get you started. Everything you need all in one place. ServeNoMaster.com. Because when the AI overlords come, I'm not bending the knee. <laughs> and what about social media? Everything is Serve No Master. If you Google Serve No Master, the first hundred results are all me or reviews of me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And I want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, well, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button. And for my regulars, you guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. And until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.